This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com ES Audio from the Evening Standard in London, I'm Mark Blunden, and this is The Leader. Mudlarking, the historic pursuit of combing the Thames foreshore for, hopefully, some rare or valuable artefacts to give us a glimpse back into history of how Londoners used to live. But among the coins, bottles, occasional weapons and oddities like a tiny Roman spoon for scooping out earwax found nestling in the silt, mudlark Jason Sandy made a chilling discovery. What's apparently a giant boa constrictor skin that had been shed by its occupant. So is there a big old snake on the loose near to Hammersmith Bridge? Well, hopefully not, but it would join legions of exotic animals now wandering, slithering and swinging around the capital, which include terrapins, parakeets, but a puma roaming south-east London and monkeys. Meanwhile, last year a project began in Black Park Lake in Wexham in Buckinghamshire to relocate non-native terrapins due to the threat they pose to local wildlife. Many of the exotic non-native species found around the capital are believed to have been thrown out after their owners could not cope with the responsibility, such as the terrapins flushed away after the 90s teenage mutant ninja turtles craze. So what happens when these animals disappear into London's ecosystem? To discover what's lurking in the capital's waterways and undergrowth, we're joined by Dr. Mark Jones, who's a veterinarian and head of policy at the Born Free Foundation. Mark, what's the Born Free Foundation aware of in terms of exotic wild animals on the loose in London? We're certainly aware of at least 25 news stories from 2021 alone of escaped or abandoned snakes across the UK, some of which are in London. And of course, these are just the ones we hear about. You know, often these animals may escape or perhaps be abandoned by their owners and we, we never get to hear about them because perhaps they don't survive very long or they disappear and hide away somewhere. So it, it only tends to be the very high profile cases that we ever get to hear about. Any other species apart from snakes? It's not just snakes and reptiles. You know, we hear of fairly large cats, so-called savannah cats, which are a cross between a domestic cat and a serval, which is a medium-sized 
large-eared wild African cat have become very popular as exotic pets. And uh, back in 2020, a savannah cat was spotted in North London and caused quite a lot of alarm among residents because these are quite big animals. And uh, over recent years, we've also um, heard of savannah cats in Bristol. We've heard of marmosets in Oxfordshire, wallabies in Cornwall, raccoon dogs in Nottinghamshire. Um, so, you know, we, we do see you know, quite a number, and it seems an increasing number of reports of of these non-native animals appearing within towns and cities and also out in our countryside that really shouldn't be there. And it's a real concern, partly because some of these animals might be a danger to people or other wild or domestic animals in the area in which they escape, but also in terms of, you know, the impacts on the welfare of the animals themselves. In most cases, they're not designed to live in in our climate. They doubtless suffer if they can't survive and, you know, find food and shelter and so forth. And uh, they, they also potentially present a risk to domestic animals and wildlife. And so what did you make of this impressive shed snakeskin photograph from the Thames foreshore? It's difficult from the photograph that I've seen of the skin to be absolutely certain of the species, but it certainly looks like a shed skin from a large snake, uh, probably a constrictor snake uh, like a boa or a python. And uh, people will be surprised to learn that despite their size and strength, these these animals can be metres long. They're, they can be very, very large um, animals indeed. The large constrictor snakes that you can buy online, that you can find at reptile markets and in some pet shops across the country are not included within the Dangerous Wild Animals Act, which means that you don't actually have to have a license to keep them, even though they're categorised under zoo legislation as being, you know, dangerous animals. So again, we don't know exactly how many of them are out there. It would be unusual uh, for one of these animals to uh, target a person it could happen that they are dangerous and particularly for the larger examples they certainly could do you a great deal of harm but they could certainly attack domestic animals uh, or potentially other wild animals i think it's unlikely in the uk that something like a boa constrictor that's really designed to live in tropical conditions uh, would be able to survive and thrive for very long in uk conditions having said that of course we're in in the midst of a fairly severe heat wave at the moment so it feels certainly feels fairly tropical in the UK here. But there are many examples of other exotic species that are traded um, as pets that could well become established if they escape or if they're uh, abandoned into into our countryside. You know, the examples include uh, things like raccoon dogs, which are becoming very popular. These are animals that are native to Asia. But if they become established, these are sort of small dog-like animals, that uh, if they become established, they could be devastating for... Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. 
The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Other species are indigenous species that live within the countryside and they could certainly cause havoc for the ecology. Have these animals been purchased and imported legally? There will be both. There will be um, legally acquired animals, many of which uh, may be bred in captivity, but uh, some of which will doubtless have been taken from the wild. But there will also be an underground trade in these animals. I mean, pet industry figures, we released a report um uh, just in, in September last year called the exotic pets demic in collaboration with the RSPCA, where we had a really, really close look at the exotic pet trade in the UK. It's very difficult to get very accurate numbers because not all exotic pets require a license. And if they don't require a license, it's very difficult to ascertain how many of what species are out there. And as I've said, even those that do require a license, you're never sure that everybody who holds one of these animals actually has a license for them. But according to pet industry figures, something like 1.8 million reptiles and amphibians, 1.3 million exotic birds, and more than 100 million fish are kept in people's homes across the UK. And a few years ago, the RSPCA estimated that there might be as many as four to 5,000 pet primates being kept in, you know, monkeys and so on, being kept uh, across the UK in people's homes. But as I say, we don't really know for sure, even for very obvious and visible species like primates. The RSPCA is reporting unprecedented uh, requests for help with um, exotic animals, non-native animals, wild animals that people have perhaps bought uh, thinking that they'd make a good pet and are now discovering that they're either too difficult or too expensive for them to keep. So whilst we're encouraging legislation, we're encouraging government to really look at this very seriously and introduce much stricter legislation around what you can keep and what you can trade. We really urge people who are perhaps thinking of getting an exotic pet to think very carefully, do their research and preferably consider rescuing a domesticated animal in need of a home like a dog or a cat and while we couldn't track down the thames boa we can play you the sound of police capturing a two meter long milk snake in tower hamlets let's go to the ads please stay there to hear more from dr jones about the exotic animals living in the wild in london how about the beast of Sydenham? Why not hit rate and follow in the meantime? Welcome back. Mark, what's the wider impact on London's ecosystem from illegally released exotic animals? It depends on the species and the what they eat and you know whether there are sort of equivalent species or, or native species that already exist in the countryside or whether the new introduced species fills a, a sort of gap, a niche, if you like. The example of parakeets, which have become quite widespread, particularly around London, that are believed to have originated from uh, some escape birds – 
that seem to have thrived. Now, there has been various talk about trying to control the numbers of parakeets, although to date, as far as I'm aware, the studies that have been done don't suggest that those animals, although they have become pretty well established across parts of London and they're spreading into some of the counties around London, they don't seem to have um, caused a particular problem for the native wildlife. But that, that doesn't mean that that might not become the case. But some other species certainly can. So it all depends on the, on, on the species that you're talking about. But what we want to try and do uh, is really impress upon people that um, when you seek out or buy an exotic pet, um, you should really, really think very carefully about the choices you make. These, um, while some exotic species are clearly dangerous, like the big cats or the constrictor snakes or venomous species, like the, the species that we've been talking about others you know smaller animals to have around the house perhaps for a child might seem much more innocuous but we should really really be thinking very carefully about the impact on the welfare of those animals these are wild animals they're not designed to live in our homes and the consequences for our health and safety for the health and safety of other domestic and potentially wild animals and potentially the wider ecology if they were to escape um, into the countryside you mentioned those big cats earlier, and we see every so often these stories about the beast of Sydenham spotted in southeast London. Could you have a quick look at the picture and let us know your thoughts? Yeah, it's quite hard to tell from that particular photograph, but what we certainly do know is that uh, there are quite a, a number of people across the UK who do keep large cats because um, uh, all large cats would require something called a dangerous wild animals license uh, in order for people to be allowed to keep them. And uh, we uh, regularly ask local authorities who are responsible for issuing these licenses what licenses they've issued for their area. So, you know, we do have um, uh, a fairly up-to-date idea of numbers of animals or certainly the numbers of licenses that have been issued. They don't give us the exact location of the licenses, but the numbers of licenses is the, that have been issued for various different species across the country. But of course, you know, there, there's no guarantee that everybody is going to abide by the, the regulations and obtain a license. So again, although we, we've got an idea how many species that require a license under the Dangerous Wild Animals Act might be out there um, and are licensed, what we don't have is details of, of those animals that perhaps where perhaps the, their owners haven't bothered to license them. And what is the Born Free Foundation calling for in terms of legislation to help stop the illegal trade in exotic animals? We believe the current UK legislation relating to exotic pets is piecemeal, it's reactionary, it's unable to keep up with emerging animal welfare or conservation science, and it can't adequately mitigate the risk to human health uh, or safety uh, or to the wider environment. So what we're doing is urging the UK government to undertake a comprehensive review of the trading and keeping of exotic pets and the associated uh, legislation and give due consideration to systems that are in place or in development in other countries. Some other countries, including quite a number of European countries, are introducing what, what's called positive lists. Uh, in other words, you have a list of animals, a species, that, that are allowed to be traded and kept as exotic pets. But in order to get on those lists, uh, you've got to be able to demonstrate that you can 
um, that you can look after the welfare of those animals, that there's no conservation concerns with regards to those animals being taken from the wild to, to put into trade. And that can be a big problem um, for some species. And that uh, you can uh, ensure that there is no significant risk to human or animal or environmental health and safety. There's much more news in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. We're back on Tuesday at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.